All right, this is the Big Kid Show. I'm Mr. B, and thank you for kicking with us, even if it's just for a little bit. With me in the treehouse today, we got some Big Kid legends, Big Nick and Marcus the Denim Jacket King, and we'll be playing top three. Thank you, boys and girls. We welcome you. Appreciate your applause. All right, we're playing top three. You know the drill. We don't got to go over all that stuff. Let's just get, let's get into the business. All right, today's topic is... Top three epic music videos of the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Not only did the big kids love this one, the research team was all jacked up. It was like, you know, an 80s metal party just all over the place. It was awesome. <laughs> all right. The 80s were super rad, big hair, synthesizers, denim jackets, all around awesomeness. What made 80s music videos so badass? You could actually watch them on TV. Ooh, imagine that. <laughs> imagine that. The 80s were definitely the decade of music videos. The big kids grew up watching these videos, and whether it was good or bad, it probably helped form the musical tastes and styles that we have today. The three of us love a badass epic music video, so here we go. Grab your hair gel, boombox, and tight leather pants, Big Nick, and let's jump into our top three <laughs> epic 80s music videos of all time. Ooh. And before yes. we jump in, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to the show. Give us a rating review. It really goes a long way in supporting us. We are at The Big Kid Show. Huge thanks. Thank you to all the big kids out there listening. You guys are awesome. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a little message. Tell Mark that he sounds weird. Whatever you got to do. <laughs> Whatever you got. All right. Big Nick, you on the coin top. You kick it off first for your number three epic music video of the 80s. So I know what everybody out there in big kid listener land is thinking right now. They're like, you know what? How many, how many of the top three of big Nick's picks will feature guns and roses? And I know, I know that's, that's, that's the question everybody wants to know. It's a natural question, uh, but reaction. Number three on my list will not be a guns and roses song, but one of my other favorite artists and actually, this is the first music video that I ever remember viewing. Whoa. Now, All right. yeah, you know, longtime listeners know that we generally are talking about things within the span of our wonderful lifetimes that the three of us have had, which is 80s, you know, 1980 to 2020. Well, here it is 2022, and all three of us are still kicking it for a we're little still, bit. So maybe we could expand beyond 2020. We're considering it. The research team is for trying to figure things out, crunch some numbers. But this is one of the first music videos that I remember seeing, and maybe that's why it crept into the top three. Not going to lie, this was an incredibly difficult uh, <laughs> subject matter to, to narrow down to just three great songs. It's got to be a great song, but it's also got to be an epic music video. I don't know that everybody will agree with me that this one is epic as far as maybe budget goes or the grand scheme of things, but it is forever embedded into the brain and mind of Big Nick. That's what counts. I went with a video that was released when I was about three years old. From a gentleman who I love, I love his entire career, and I celebrate his entire catalog, a Mr. William Joel. I went with <laughs> Uptown Girl from Billy Joel. That's right. Nice. Everybody, if you've seen this video once, you're picturing it right now as I said the words. It's, it's grown men dressed and pre pretending to be mechanics. They're greased up. They got their name 
patched onto the front of their shirt right above the pocket, and they are singing. They they are singing into uh, into wrenches and into different tools as they walk around, and they're talking <laughs> about these different girls, and it's kind of a doo-wop song. Uh, I love me some Billy Joel, and don't forget, this video featured the very beautiful, the very talented, the very intelligent Christy Brinkley, who went on yes. to marry Billy Joel. And I'll tell you what, when you are chasing after somebody as fine and wonderful as Christy Brinkley, follow Mr. William Joel's footsteps, right? Follow this boy's lead. He knows what he's doing. You make a music video and you feature the chick that you're chasing. And then next there thing you, you know, go. wham, bam, boom, bang. We're all wrapped up in a relationship. <laughs> He's like, I want to marry that chick. Hey, somebody get her in my video. Let's see if we can make this work. Make it happen. Pay her nothing. Low baller. <laughs> all right. So, Nick, when you brought that up, I, the first thing it reminded me of is when I was about three or four, uh, this babysitter I went to, the, they had like an older daughter that was into dance. Right. You know, like studio dance, like with the mirrors and the uh, leggings. And I'm assuming the song she was going to dance to was Uptown Girl because that thing played blasted loud <laughs> the whole time I was there. And I remember at first I was like, oh, I love this song. And by the end, I was like, God, I hate this song because it, it, it wasn't like she played it once. It was like on repeat because she was yeah. practicing to do her dance. And but it just it's interesting. That's what popped into my head. I can remember that at three or four because that's when the song came out. So. So a good we, song can get ruined by uh, overplayed. Yes, overplayed. I, I should probably descri- describe the video a little better than just saying it's a bunch of guys dressed as mechanics dancing around and singing into wrenches. It's, Spoiler alert! It, look back, <laughs> especially in the early '80s. Billy Joel was like the working class hero, right? Like he was the drinking class, working class hero. He was kind of the every man, except for he was really damn good at writing songs and making music. Agreed. And he, he tried to, you know, maintain this kind of uh, every man, every guy uh, kind of persona, you know, which that is his roots. That's where he comes from. He's just a regular Joe like the rest of us. But Believe it or not, 1983, when this song came out, this is actually his ninth studio album. The dude worked Whoa, his ass I didn't know off. That. Oh, dude, look up his catalog. In I, the I, would, 70s, I would have guessed it was like his second. But wow, I didn't know that. In the 70s. It, 70s in the 70s. <laughs> in the 70s. Yeah. The, in the 70s, this dude was turning out albums like nobody's business. And in fact, he had an album called Turnstiles. And I wonder if that's why he named it Turnstiles. I don't know uh, what the deal is. I think actually in one year in the 70s, he released two albums, uh, one in the early part of the year and one in the late part of the year. So that's, that's 1983. Ambitious. This is off of his ninth studio album, which was titled An Innocent Man. Uh, and back then, you would have to buy this on record. It come out on a twelve inch or a seven inch. And, and even, of course, was that, was that pre uh, cassette tape too, Big Nick? Do you know? I, I don't know. I think <sighs> cassette tapes might have been uh, cutting edge around then. Yeah, right around yeah. that time. But the but I know that most of these sold on records. I bet that, I bet they sold it on eight track too, though. With eight track still floating around in the late eighties. Of course, 80s. the 12-inch EP has additional tracks that the 7-inch uh, single versions didn't have. So it has, a, it has additional uh, songs on there. But so 
the video, he's kind of this working class downtown man. He refers to himself as a downtown man who is trying to woo a wealthy uptown girl, which is, of course, the lovely Christy Brinkley. Now, there is an... Billy Joel is a longtime friend of Howard Stern. They're both from the the greater New York City, uh, New York State area, and they go back a long ways. And in one of the interviews of the many interviews that he's done with Howard Stern, I remember him talking about being uh, in the company of several beautiful women. Actually, he was dating. I believe he was dating or, or, or just ended a relationship with L McPherson, but L McPherson, Whitney Houston and Christy Brinkley, he was, he's in their company. And the idea the song of him being like this downtown dude, this, this regular Joe in the company of these brilliant, wonderful women that he's like, he felt like he didn't fit. And so he came up with this, yeah. with this great song. And like I said, it's one of the, if not the first music video that I ever remember seeing. It was a huge hit here in the United States. Uh, it was, I think it peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and stayed there for several weeks. But listen to this. This is wild. It hit number one, and it's Billy Joel's only number one hit in the UK. And it was such a big seller in the UK, this song, this single that it's the 19th best-selling single of the 1980s in United Kingdom history. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Over, uh, close to uh, over 1 million copies sold to date uh, uh, in, in the UK alone. He's doing all right. Yeah. Just, yeah. just his Madison Theater money alone, he's doing all right when he sells, or Madison Gar- uh, Square Garden, so he's doing all right. Yeah, yeah. He's All right. Cool. Uptown Girl for Big Nick's number three epic video. Marcus, let's swing it to you. Well, I'm going to go uh, a totally opposite direction than uh, <laughs> Big Nick. Um, and by that, I am going to go to the other side of the, uh, the pond, so to speak, over in our uh, European brethren and uh, back to some of my, my country people's Native music, which would be from the Norwegian synth pop band, and that would be a band called Aha with <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On me. Strong consideration for that one for me, Mark. Good pick. Absolutely. Take on me. So I remember again, like like Big Nick, I was a big so basically I mean basically when I grew up, like before school was whatever homework he had to do stuff for school that was left over you're eating some cereal you're hanging out i'm watching if i'm watching tv i'm watching one of two things i'm watching espn because i love sports or i'm watching mtv because i love music. It. so those are the two channels i would literally just back and forth between in the mornings that, that's why you're and my buddy that's right and i i just remember seeing this video the very first time and just thinking it was such a cool a cool take on a video so one thing I didn't realize when I had originally put this on my list was there's actually two versions of the song. There's one that came out in 1984, uh, produced by Tony Mansfield, and then remixed by John Ratcliffe. But then there was a second one that came out in 1985 that was produced by Alan Tarney for the group's debut studio album, Hunting High and Low. So there's actually two different versions of the song. The second one is the one that kind of became the very popular um, the very popular song that everybody 
knows. So the video, it won six awards and was nominated for two others at the then very prestigious 1986 MTV Video Music Awards. Mm -hmm. It actually meant something. And the video used like this, it's like a pencil sketch animation. And then there's like some live action. So they call it rotoscoping, which is basically a fancy way of saying they kind of use live action footage and then they trace it frame by frame to give the characters like realistic movements. So they said there was 3000 frames that were rotoscope rotoscoped say that 10 times fast. And it took 16 weeks to complete. So, but, but if you see the video, it's basically a girl in a diner and, um, or this one's, yeah, this is the girl in the diner and there's kind of like this race, going on between this guy and a few other guys and he long story short he ends up like his hand comes out of the book into real life and pulls her into the book and then she becomes kind of animated it was just i remember at the time like in the mid 80s like that was like it was nobody had done that yeah, yeah nobody oh, had done that before you know yeah. what i mean it was a very like a very crazy thing so i know at this point i looked it up it's got 1.4 billion views on youtube and got a 4k video restoration um, it has like 8 million plus likes or whatever. I mean, it's it's still banging away. So well, even going back and re-watching it, I still was like, damn, that's a cool-ass video, man, yeah. like in 2022. No, it's, it's a, yeah. that's an awesome one. Great choice. And and it's even funny, like um, I think when Weezer did their Teal album, which was covers, Weezer covered that song too. Yeah. And, and I would imagine that spiked their downloads because think yeah. of the younger generation that's like, wait, that's not the original version. And then mm -hmm. kind of, you know how that goes. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I did. I heard the same thing that they had a couple flop versions before it actually took off, which you got to think they were really like, let's just cram this song in because usually you would think of a song flops. You're like, yeah, it's a flop. It's like, nope, we're going to try again. Nope. Let's try yeah. again. And then boom, they hit magic with the video. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, I mean, it, it's not like you really heard about aha a whole lot, you know, uh -huh. beyond that song. Hey, I'll so, be a one hit wonder all day long. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Tell me where to play the guitar and where to stand. L love it, buddy. <laughs> I, I love that video. And you're right. That's certainly epic because it was groundbreaking stuff. So, yep. That's what yeah. I got. Aha. Uh -huh. Take me uh -huh. on. Uh -huh. All right. So, Mr. B's number three. I'm going to go even a little different than you guys. And I like I'm going to go with a little song that was recorded in March of 1986. Um, the reason why this is so epic to me is because this was a collaboration song slash video. And this would be Walk This Way by Run DMC. Oh, yes. Well done. Yes, yes, yes. And so, I mean, obviously, Aerosmith had the song. Run DMC wanted to do it. And, I mean... Before then, did you ever see a rock and, rock and rap group ever do a collaboration? I cannot remember no. one before that. And and not only were they, you know, they collaborated, but they were huge names, right? Right. So it wasn't like like a no name rapper or you know, or vice versa. It was like these are already guys that are pretty established. Um, but that video, I love the video. It's like they're both like in their respective like practice spots which mark can relate when we would practice at our practice spots we usually would have our stuff so loud we'd just probably piss off everyone next to us <laughs> exactly um and so they're like banging on the wall and like going back and forth and then steven tyler like blasts through the wall and <laughs> and then next thing you know they're playing on stage together but it just to me that was an awesome video that they did um 
uh, what I found from the research team, though, that when we talk about Epic, you would normally think like high budget uh, videos, but they the budget for this video was only sixty seven thousand dollars. Are you and, serious? Um, I think back then that might have been was, no, was that a still, lot back then? That, I mean, that was eighty. What do you say? Eighty six. 85-ish, depending on when they recorded it. So, yeah, I mean, it still was a decent amount, but you're also Six, talking about 67,000. 67,000, but here's how they did it. So, if they, you watch the video, go ahead, Nick. If Steven Tyler would have been sober, they probably could have done it for about 50. Yeah, he was, I think he was pretty, <laughs> he was on, he was hard on core on the drugs then. But. And, and, and you know what? No disrespect. That's my boy. I love me some Steven yeah. Tyler. But what they did was, um, so if you watch the video, they only brought in um, the two guys from Aerosmith. They brought in uh, Steven Tyler and uh, Joe Perry. Joe Perry. And they didn't fly in the other guys from the band because they didn't want to pay <laughs> for imagine? it. Can you imagine? So what they did is they they recruited like a local band to fill oh, in. Oh, they got duped. Well, but just oh, to save money. And then right. what they also did was to fill in because the live scene, there's like actual crowd. They got They had somebody get on the radio and say, hey. Um, we're going to do a video. Come down if you want to be in it for free. Yeah, that's kind of common. There's quite a few bands that do that, you know, to get the, the extras. We, right. They thought a lot of Aerosmith fans would show up. And and you know what? Who knows? And maybe they're fans of both both groups. But, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. And you're exactly right there, Mr. B. Both of these bands, both of these groups were huge at the time. Aerosmith has just been huge for like 40-some years. Uh, Run DMC, I was privileged enough to have seen Run DMC open up for Aerosmith. And then, of course, they did walk this way and extended version as the grand finale and the place went freaking nuts man i I, like there was not not a normal person in that in that venue at all when that when that went out and and it incredible show i love the video and and remember in the video it's the guys from run dmc and you know i know all three of their names it's run and then uh DMC, right? Yep. Nailed, nailed, <laughs> nailed it. Right? The two guys. So anyway, the guys from Run DMC, they're in the other room and they just keep hearing this really cool guitar riff pumping out of Joe Perry's full size amplifiers, just blowing the doors off the place. And then they start coming up with their own words to this kick ass guitar riff. And next thing you know, what do we got? We got we got a musical masterpiece like you've never heard before. Mashup. Musical mashup. Yeah, I heard an interview with Rick Rubin, who I believe was the one that produced that. Him and Russell Simmons produced it. Yeah, I mean, he talked about that, how like how crazy it was that it came together and how iconic it was. And it it really was an awesome moment to see the two genres, you know, really kind of come together. And um, I love the idea of the video of Run DMC, because I was a huge Run DMC fan. So seeing those guys just take over the the Aerosmith song as is and then the way they did it in the video with Steven Tyler pacing around pacing yep. around like what the hell man this you know like it's my song why are these guys singing to my song and then he bursts through the wall it was just it was so well done and so well put together Mr. B I, I applaud that selection that was absolutely way up on my list Thank you, buddy. Yeah, it's and if anyone's out there, there's a there's an article that was written about it, an essay called um, like breaking down the wall, and it kind of covered that song and the video and kind of I mean how breakthrough it was with merging different genres and how they filmed it and, and especially to do it at such a low budget. So, um, yeah. 
and it even gets into Steven Tyler was pretty pretty raging on drugs at the time. Like they said, <laughs> they said he had like a huge medical book that had like every pill known to man in it. <laughs> so holy, sh- hey man, yeah. you ain't seen nothing till you're down on a muffin. All right. All right. I love it. Use your imagination. You'll figure out what that means. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. Let's swing it back to Big Nick for his number two epic music video of the 80s. Ooh, how many Guns N' Roses songs will be on the top three? It can only be two now. That's right. That's what everybody wants to know. They're still wondering. They're holding their breath at home. Don't hold your breath if you're listening in the car. Um, so for my number two, I'm going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum, right? I went very early eighties with Mr. William Joel for, for my first pick, but for the uh, second round for the big Nick pick in the second round, uh, number two pick. And I I just know I'm going to get a full standing ovation from all of the big kids and the research team right here. When I drop this hammer, of course it is a song called Numero uno, won by Metallica. Yes. Nice, buddy. Yeah, dude, this this music video dropped 1989, and I had just got into Metallica probably 88-ish, right? Like, I had an older cousin uh, who turned me on to some Metallica. And um, I remember, look, if anybody can go back in time or remember to when they were young, how little screen time this video got back in 89 oh, and yeah, even no. 90 this really didn't start being played a lot on MTV until 1991 when Enter Sandman in the Black Album came out but regardless I remember that it was such a special thing when this video actually came on and it was a lengthy video too I can't remember what like seven minute the the yeah. radio version is probably like five but the the album version is like seven minutes or something and i think the video might be somewhere in between i don't know the time on the i should look that up but um i remember when this would come on i got i got two brothers who were into rock and roll music and of course all of my friends were into rock and roll music when this video came on you would shout to your brothers or your friends that might be in the it's other on room, it's on it's on and then it's people on. would come running into the room and even if you were just catching the tail end of it because it was it's such a cool video and the coolest part to me was you would get to see the guys from metallica they're just like rocking out in what looks to be this band practice but they're in this giant like airplane hangar yep. in this just big yep. open space and so really i don't know how much how much uh i was looking for the budget and what this this uh video cost to make and i couldn't find it but i'm curious because all they needed to do was rent out this airplane hangar and then kind of film it it was in black and white mostly i believe yeah and a lot of it was these dudes i'm like less i'm like nine ten years old and i'm watching these grown men who look like they just jumped out of a biker gang rocking like i've never seen anybody rock before in this in this airplane hangar and they're playing one of the heaviest songs i had heard at with my young ears at the time and when they get to the the late the latter part of the song and they start getting into just the music part and they're just rocking it out my God, my face melted off the first time I saw the video. <laughs> and then you factor in the spooky factor of that. They kind of back and forth with the imaging of you see the band rocking out, but then you also see these kind of really mysterious and 
a little spooky clips from a movie called uh, what it was Johnny got his gun and and the guy had like got his arms and legs blown off in the war and and he's like fighting th- these demons inside of his head of does he want to live like, or does what yeah, he die like, like PTSD stuff going on with the way they flash those in yeah. yeah I I boys I know this is an hour long show I could talk for an hour about this video <laughs> one hour to be yeah. specific tell us how you really feel no it's that I love that pick and um I I kind of thought you would pick that one just because um I don't remember when Headbangers Ball came on, but I remember even when you, me and you would hang out as young kids, Nick, we would stay up to watch Headbangers Ball oh, yeah. with, with the hope that that song would play and a few others because it's the only time you could see that. They never played that on mainstream Italic or at mainstream MTV. It was too heavy. So you had to basically stay up till like midnight or one in the morning. And then when it came on, you're like, oh my God, it's on. Ricky Rackman. And I remember <laughs> multiple times as a kid trying to record it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, remember you could have the VHS tape yep. and, and I could never, like, I was never able to do it. Like, I've tried so, so many times. I would have it ready and I'd, and then they wouldn't play it. And I'd be like, damn. I'll give you a pro tip. Not that you can use it today, but had we been our younger version of ourselves, we could use this pro tip. And this is what the big Nick would do. This was my specialty was I would watch. So Headbangers Ball came on at midnight on Saturdays. Yep. And I believe it ran till 1 a.m. It was just an hour long. I think you're right. And I loved, I don't remember who the original host was, but I loved Ricky Rackman. I thought Ricky Rackman mm-hmm. was was super yep. cool. I I even like have wanted to do my hair like him when I was a kid. That's getting into <laughs> a weird conversation. But yep, uh, a little bit. <laughs> but well, we've all done that when we were children. But but here's what I would do. In one room, my father had an office with a TV in there. And it had a VCR hooked up to it. So what I would do is I would run in there, drop in the tape just before midnight and just record Headbangers Ball. And then I would sit in the family room and watch Saturday Night Live. And when Saturday Night Live was over, I would then watch the taped version of Headbangers Ball because I would always tape Headbangers Ball because if it was good or it had some videos that I really liked, I've captured them and I can go back and watch it. As many times as so I want. So Big Nick, Big Nick created a DVR before it even existed. That's right. I was, I was, I was pirating uh, music videos uh, before it was <laughs> master of DVR. Awesome, man. Hey, Metallica won. Awesome, awesome pick, man. Yeah, I approve. All right, I approve. Marcus, hit me with your number two, buddy. So, being the IT guy that I am, I think this this one speak to me uh, nerd a little more nerd alert. I think this one probably. Um, <laughs> if, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was about this video. Again, I'm trying to think back to like 1980s Mark. Like, you know, I, I wasn't even 10. That was my favorite version of Mark. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Mine mine too. Every decade, Um, he goes down a peg. (laughs) (laughs) It's substantially worse with each upgrade. Um, But it's, I don't know. There was something about this video that really drew me in. And that would be by a band called Dire Straits. And that song would be Funny Nothing. Coming out in 1985. Kept listening to that song, thinking that they were going to tell me the secret to getting money for nothing, and I could never figure out how to make it happen. You were entrepreneurial in your young age, there, Big Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Big Nick, seven years, six, seven years old, sitting in front of the TV, like, tell me how to make all the millions. Well, he was basically saying, if you play the guitar on the MTV, you're going to get money for nothing. 
Yeah. yeah. Wasn't that like it wasn't the first music video played, but it was one of the first. It was definitely up there. And it was the first one that used like early 3D computer animation and it illustrated the lyrics. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, the big kid research team coming through solid as usual on it. Really, really deep tracks on this one. So Ian Pearson and Gavin Blair created the animation and they used a Bosch FGS 4000 CGI system, whatever the hell that is, and a Quantel paint box system. So it's interesting because they went on to found a computer animation studio called Mainframe Entertainment. I think today it's called Mainframe Studios. Mm-hmm. And they actually referenced that video as, you know, in an episode of their reboot series that they have. So obviously they're still proud of it to this day. But it was it was interesting because it mixed the 3D animation and then had some of the obviously I was a big rotoscoping fan, even though I didn't know what the hell that meant when I was six years old. But uh, they also did partially rotoscoped animation with like the bright neon colors. I don't know if you remember, but there was like a live section yeah. of them playing on stage and they had this like neon on certain parts of their body. It just looks super cool. Like it was for me, these these songs on my list weren't necessarily like my favorite songs, but these were the videos that just visually yep. just jumped off the page to me, especially as a six, seven year old kid you know, five, six, seven year old kid, you know, it just absolutely jumped off. Um, so it's interesting when you talk about how this song came about. So Mark Knopfler, who's the guitar player, he, and singer, he was in New York city and he went to an appliance store and there was a wall of televisions at the back of the store, similar to, essentially how the video ended up and they were all turned tuned to MTV and Quick, uh, quick quiz. Who did the "I want my MTV" line? Who sung it was, that? It was word a guy. And it, the, for some reason, his parents only gave him one name, and I don't know he if did. it's his first or last name, or maybe the middle. Maybe you have to have three names to have a middle name. I don't know how oh, names work, but, but that gentleman's name is Sting. Sting. That's right. Sting. Sting. I want my MTV. Yeah. So there was a TV in the back, and there was a male employee, he said, that was dressed in a baseball cap, work boots, checkered shirt, delivering boxes, and was just like staring at the thing of TVs. And he walked up next to him. And if you watch the video, it bas- they basically recreated this guy in the video. And he starts like bashing on the people that are on the, the TV. Yep. And he, it, just like you said, Big Nick, he's basically saying like, they're getting money for nothing and chicks for free, right? And, and he, literally, Mark from the band started writing down the lines that this guy said and turned that into the lyrics of the song. So, and the thing here is, th- this was a, a this is interesting that you picked this one because this was in strong right. consideration for uh, my third spot. Yeah. But at the last minute, here's what I, here, I I cited on leaving it out of my top three. And this, I'm not, I'm not throwing any Goddamn casting any shade at your direction, but there is a, there's a slur in this song that I decided, you know what? I don't, don't agree with that slur. And so therefore I'm not going to put it in my top three, not saying that you do, but I think what we, what we need to underline here 
And who knows, maybe Dire Straits doesn't agree with it either. But as you said, the guitar players here in this, this working class Joe who's in the, the appliance store, the TV store, bitching and complaining about these people that he sees on TV who's made it big and he's got a lot of bad things to say about them. And, and the guitar right. players just jot this stuff down like, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. And so, yeah, the uh, Mark, great pick. The video is incredible. The band is incredible. Dire Straits is such a great band. And I think people of our age and, and especially younger than us, I don't know that they recognize just how great Dire Straits is. It, it, as, they're just a solid, solid band. And yeah, awesome, I mean, the, awesome band name, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this video was up for 11 nominations at the 86 MTV Music Awards. It won Video of the Year and Best Group Videos, obviously. You know, it was very, very popular at its time. Brilliant was, idea to put the I want my MTV in there, too. Like, I want it, my it was MTV. determined. It, they're like, you know, what? let's throw that in there just for shits and giggles. And oh, of course, it's going to make it a number one hit. Right. And exactly. people. People younger than us that that have, are they're like there's a I know what MTV is but I don't remember seeing any music videos on there. Uh, at the time when we were young, all they did was play music videos, and their slogan at the time was "I want my MTV." They would show you different artists, they would show you actors, they would show you uh, athletes, and they would put the camera and they go, "I want my MTV." Hey, I want my MTV. And that was their slogan. And that was brilliant of Dire Straits to have Sting singing, I want my MTV in the background there. I mean, if you're going to suck up to somebody, you may as well suck up to the biggest media company of, you know, that's, that's huge at the time that's pushing music. And so, you would know yeah, this you're was a media whore. Yeah. <laughs> How did you know, Big Nick? I thought it was a secret. Damn. We're close friends. We're close. That's right. That's I right. might be Where a media whore Millions too. of listens from is from all my sucking up. Um, and <laughs> the uh, this was the their most commercially successful single. So it did peak at number one for three weeks on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and Top Rock, and number four in the U.K. So you know, obviously for Dire Straits, which was a huge band, this was number one for them as well. But again, to me. The no no offense to Billy Joel and his uh, highly technical singing into wrenches, but I thought the videography of this was a little more complex. Yes, you're exactly right. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I got. Nailed it. And as we foreshadowed at the uh, intro, probably the reason why Mark plays guitar now is because as a young lad, he was watching uh, Money Ain't for Nothing. So it, it, it formed my career and my hobby. There you go. Playing guitar and uh, working in IT. So. Love it. That's, a, that's an epic pick, buddy. All right. So Mr. B's number two, which we've already mentioned this one. So it'll be a quick one is I also went with Take On Me by AHA. Yeah. Ah, yes. Good job, and it, was, and, it, and it was all the same things that you said. It was just the way that they did it. I mean, the, the animation, the song was catchy as hell anyways, but you throw that awesome video. I mean, like I remember coming on, I didn't even like the pop music as a kid. Like I was, I was like big Nick. I was like, I want, I want hard rock and heavy metal. Cause my, I, my older cousin was, was throwing metal down my throat, but that song I was like, Oh painful. gosh, Sounds I, can't, painful. I, I can't look away. But one thing that uh, the big research team told me about Take On Me was that um, it won actually won six awards for the uh, 86 MTV Music Awards and was nominated for two others. So it was actually nominated for eight, won six. I think to date, that's still the most for a music video ever. 
Yeah, and that was the same year of the Dire Straits, so that was a that was a tough competition year yeah. for music videos. Well, which, because I think in '86 we were getting into all the computer stuff was starting to come to where you could actually use it. So you got, you know, obviously those videos, the computer and CGI and animation just all went together. But yeah, I went with uh, "Take on Me." We don't need to go too much into detail with that one because we already covered it. But again, absolutely, me, me and Marcus are sharing the same brain, which is concerning. <laughs> all right gentlemen that was all right we got the big number ones coming here let's let's just jump right into it big nick hit me with your number one epic 1980s music video go okay i know everybody out there they're like they're very uh impressed and concerned all at the same time they're like this big nick guy man he's a blowhard he just talks and talks and talks right and but hey i was a little long-winded with the first two and part of that's because of my love for both of those uh, songs and the great music videos but also in part because i have a very strong suspicion that we might all three share the same number one, which is which is very rare. We often share some picks along the way, but I, this to me, I go ahead and get the bleep button out because I'm about to say fuck the '80s. This might be the best music video of all time, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. And of course, yep. I'm talking about Michael Jackson. He wrote this song. It's called Thriller, and the video oh, yeah. is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Big Nick, I'll spoil the fun. I, I had this as number one as well. I don't think there's any Mr. B. Let's spoil it. I had it number one too, baby. Yeah, it was. I mean, oh, that's our first all three in a row number one. That's, uh, yeah. But but also, how do you not go with that? It's like yeah. Big Nick, you said it wasn't the greatest move, epic movie. Yeah, in the eighties by far, probably still the greatest music video ever. And I don't think it can, it'll ever be topped. I don't think it can be. And you know what? It, you could you could underline the word epic in our topic for tonight. Greatest, you know, epic video. Greatest top three music epic videos of the eighties. You could, or you could remove the word epic. It doesn't matter. This this video just fits. And the, the thing is, this thing. If you watch, they they cut it down at some point because it's a very. It's like. 12 or 13, 14 minutes long. It's long. It's, thir- uh, it's, al- it's almost 14 minutes, the full video. And and mm. I don't know how much of that is song. Probably six six or seven minutes of well, it is no, song. I, I think the actual album song was only like four minutes long. Okay, so, I mean, so it, the majority it, of it's not the, the music. Now, I know that the, the, I think the music is a little more extended in the video. They do a longer part of that bridge. Yes, the, they do. And I, dun, dun. Hey, and don't yes. forget, Boys, uh, a couple weeks ago on Halloween night, when the Browns smashed the Bengals, my easy, boy easy, Miles easy. Garrett doing the thriller dance after the sack, that doing the thriller nice. dance with the with with the the head cock there, and he had perfected it. But I tell you what, if you want to see amazing dancing, Google this video. If 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 you would like to watch a really brilliant thirteen or fourteen minute short film is what i would call this google this video and watch this video on the youtubes there my friends because if you've not seen this this has got it all it's got michael jackson he turns into a werewolf at one point then he turns into a zombie later and then we got zombies chasing after this 
good looking girl and she's scared to death and she's hiding in the scariest house I've ever seen. I don't know why she chose to hide there, but that's her own business. And uh, the I, I do like the the overweight zombie. I don't know how he got overweight. I guess he's eating a lot of brains or something. Maybe he was overweight before he became a zombie. I don't know how brains zombies work, red. but this video is incredible. The makeup and I think we've discussed this before, Mr. B. You and I used to watch the the making. They had like a like a hour long documentary on yes. making this video, and, and, and which that is incredible too. I wish I could find that and watch that again. Well, and the reason why that is so again, the research team was all over this one. That so I, I don't know if it's to date now with some of the prices, but at, at least relatively recently, it was the most expensive music video I made. It apparently, cost close to a half of a million dollars. Ooh. Which and think about that was in like eighty two, eighty three when they made it. This was and actually the first Vincent video. Price. This was the yeah. first vid- music video that ever had a director. Yes. Mm. Um, but so what I re- what we found Real out though, is that to help cover their budget, um, what they had to do was they basically had to sell the rights to the making of video to MTV and Showtime, and they each paid a quarter of a million dollars. So uh, I remember reading something from it was, uh, uh, is it John Landis? Yep. Land, yes, that, uh, sir. Directed it. And he actually, he kind of joked. He was like, he's like, we basically had to do a making of the video just to pay for the video. <laughs> right. And <laughs> so Landis, think about that. John Landis not only directed it, but he and Michael Jackson wrote the story for the video at the same time. And you're exactly right. They did have to make that making of documentary. And uh, I got to tell you, this was before we had MTV at my house when I was little, because this song came out when I was quite young. But uh, I believe this was even out before Billy Joel's Uptown Girl Um, or around the same time period, maybe shortly after. But we would borrow this from the library, the making of this video. Like that was me and my brother. This was our favorite video to borrow from the library was the making of like, we we're basically in there every other week borrowing that, that well, video. It's, it's funny. So where we got ours, do you guys remember when uh, Kroger's would rent videos? Yes. Oh, I loved yeah. it. That was so we would rent it from the Kroger's best time like, of my life. Like every week we would rent it. And, <laughs> um, but it's, I just, I, I found what, so uh, Landis, John Landis called it. He nicknamed it, uh, the documentary, the making of filler, because it was Ooh. basically just him recording all the crap they did to, to film the stuff that wasn't used in the video. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it, like he actually had to do more work to pay for the video that he just wanted to do. Like it's like, well, we already have the video, but we got to pay for it. So let's make a documentary. I mean, it's just crazy stuff to think. And Whoa. side note, as of uh, 2020, it had over 150 million views on YouTube. Woo. So who knows? Who knows what it's at? I haven't checked the numbers, but this was at the end of 2020. It was 140 million, 149 million. Yeah, that ain't bad. That ain't bad. The crazy thing to me about this video is the fact that it came out one year, over a year after the album dropped. Well, because so, it it took so long to make too. I mean, it was a, a pretty yeah, big but- process and. But if you think about like production and the way things are done today, music videos are usually what launches a song. So it's kind of crazy to think that one of the, the biggest videos of all time came out almost a year after everybody had already heard the song. Yeah. And it still ended up being that popular. Yeah. So. I, I tried to like, I, I think they hired uh, John Landis pretty quick, but it just the process took so long to do it. I mean, it's like, I think the song came out, they hired him and they're like, we want to do a music video. 
And he's like, well, let's turn it into this big thing. Well, as you know, filming anything, it just takes time. And yeah, it's kind of weird to think. Usually the music video comes out when the single comes out. But that was, again, 1983. That was still relatively new in the MTV world. Definitely. But wow. Michael Jackson's thriller. And it's I, I watched it like three times this week. It's still awesome as hell. <laughs> Just, yep. you know, still an amazing, amazing music video. And I so I love I love when Michael turns into a werewolf. That's like that's an incredible part. Like and he's wearing like his like the high school varsity jacket. And and then, you know, then it flashes to him and his date watching that movie in the movie theater. And of course she is, I I believe she is the same girl that's in the movie that they're watching. And he is the same guy that's in the movie. Obviously Michael's in it as Michael's playing many different versions of Michael, but let's not forget the zombie dance is incredible. The zombie dance in March. Amazing. And Michael Jackson's red leather jacket in that, Oh my! And then you know when he's a zombie, it's all tore up and tattered, right? Yeah. But when he's a when, when he's human and in in Jackson's human form, it's perfection that jacket. And you know what? Remember, I believe a Mister Edward Murphy might have might have when he did that yep. uh, stand up deal. <laughs> Just about raw, Eddie Murphy's raw. raw. He came yep. out trying to wear that Michael Jackson red red leather outfit. <laughs> And then to add on that, Big Nick, do you remember, uh, I think it was Beverly Hills Cop 1, when (laughs) after that came out, he sees the guy walking with that down the street, and he turns around, looks, and laughs at it. Yeah, it's just hilarious. (laughs) Well, and going back to the video, like the beginning, they're in the movie theater, and watch how Michael Michael Jackson's eating popcorn and smiling. I mm-hmm. feel like that's how I'm at the movies. Like I'm just cheesing and eating popcorn, <laughs> and I'm like, because he's just like he's just smiling. Like like watch it. It's just hilarious to watch his facial expressions when he's eating his popcorn and just smiling. Like I don't know. It's it's just a, again. There's a reason why we made that our number one as epic as hell. And again, I don't know if that anyone will ever beat that because no. music music videos aren't really a thing anymore. I don't even know if it ever will be because people don't have the patience to sit down and watch a music video. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like it was where I mean, we just described like we would wait up patiently to watch these videos and hope that it'd be on. I mean, nobody does that anymore. If, it, if you can't watch it in 30 seconds, who gives a shit? That's <laughs> yeah, true. Attention span is uh, not what it used to be, I guess. All right, boys, let's do a quick recap here, and then we'll sign off here. So, all right, Big Nick, number three, Billy Joel, Uptown Girl. That's right. It's number two, one, by Metallica. And his number one, Thriller, by Mr. Michael Jackson. All right, Marcus. Universal favorite. His number three, Aha, Take Me On. All right, his number two, Money Ain't For Nothing by Dire Straits. Take on me. Come on, man. Get it right. Oh, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, his number one, Thriller by Michael Jackson. Mr. B's number three, Walk This Way by Run DMC and Aerosmith. Uh, number two, Take On Me by AHA. And number one, universally, was Thriller by Michael Jackson. Boys, you got anything to say before we get out of the out of the treehouse? I no. do. I do have a couple of quick things to say. First off, uh, follow us on Twitter at the Big Kids Show. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show so you never miss. You know what? Let's. Somebody should 
go in and ni- write down a nice review for the Big Kids Show. Maybe we'll shout you out on a future episode. And then mm-hmm. a big shout out to my my boys right here who got an upcoming show with uh, one of my favorite bands from back in the day, Seven Dust, coming up That's at the right. end of December. So I'm excited for that. Check December out Aseda. Tw- December 27th at Madison Theater in Covington. Aseda playing with... I won seven dust. You're right. I've never been to that Madison theater. It looks cool though, man. Like I was checking it out online. It looks like a very cool venue. If you show up, we played one show there prior and uh, it's a very, very cool venue. They get a bunch of good, good national bands. And and Mark's going to dress up like a 1980s rock star. So it's just worth coming. Your your guys' band of Seda is going to reenact the thriller video. Yes, we are. Exactly. The uh, The Madison Theater. We've spent $75,000 in dance. uh, dance Zombie uh, dance is coming your way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boys. All right. Fun time in the clubhouse. You know, I got a couple honorable mentions. I got to throw these quickly out. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers don't come around here no more where he's dressed up as uh what is it alice in wonderland yes yeah, the Al- it's the, the uh, tea party scene from alice in wonderland <laughs> well one that one that popped up a lot in mine was it was kind of popular was robert palmer's addicted to love oh very great that's yeah. an that's yeah, a very yeah. incredible video and then all, also all the fine ladies pretending to play the the instruments as robert palmer belting it out there yeah and then another one that it was more this one was more funny and not epic was uh paul simon's you can call me al Oh, that's a great one. With with Chevy Chase in it. It was just more funny, so I wouldn't call it epic, but yeah. All right, boys. Good times in the treehouse. Absolutely. All right. We'll see you guys next week. We are Big Kid Show.